everyone. Welcome back to the Where Your Feet Take You podcast. I'm Kayla Bowker, professional triathlete, mom to two boys, and coach at Where Your Feet Take You. Here with Aaron Oliphant, elite amateur age grouper, and a also coach at Where Your Feet Take You. We come to you approximately every week answering your questions, talking triathlon life and everything in between, sometimes some race reports. Sometimes a whole lot of gibberish because every once in a while, that's your, let's just face it, that's what happens. Um, we love coming to you guys talking about triathlon. It's kind of a passion of both of ours, and we just want to continue to share that. So that's what we're doing here. You can send us questions at www.whereyfeettakeyou.com slash podcast or hit either one of us up on Instagram. We do our best to answer them um, every week to the best of our knowledge. So we're going to dive in today. We've got some good questions and we're going to do a short little Augusta 70.3 race recap after we check in. So Aaron, how's the week going? Weekend, week, week. I feel like it's been a while since I chatted with you for some reason. Yeah. We're recording this on Friday this week, which is always a bit different. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) That's how our schedules work sometimes. Uh, Yes. I'm good. I think after getting coffee with some Trace Pena's teammates today, I'm actually doing a lot better. So, good. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. Just was able to kind of relax a little bit through that. And yeah, um, it was fun. <laughs> I'm bummed. That I, I think we, we were just chatting about it before. I was bummed that I wasn't able to get down there for that. But the, the short notice did not bode well for my long drive um, out to where. That's not a short drive for you. No. That was one thing when I moved to Arizona, when I moved to Phoenix, is that it didn't quite, like, comprehend how widespread everything is. Like, where I live in – technically, I live in Phoenix. I guess I'm in Buckeye, which is West Phoenix. But I'm very far away. Like, to drive all the way out to, like, Mesa, Queen Creek, Chandler area, which is also a part of Phoenix, is over an hour. (laughs) Like – yeah. So far apart, um, which is kind of crazy to me. I didn't comprehend that. Yeah, it's pretty spread out here. I mean, especially coming from Spokane, where mm-hmm. it's not as spread out, I feel like. No, everything was a lot smaller. Um, yeah. And then, you know, before that, I lived in a, when I grew up, I lived in a really small town where everything was very, very small. Um, so, but awesome. Yeah, you've got um, got Kona coming up here. How are you feeling for it so far? We'll do a pre-race chat. But Yeah, I'm feeling a lot. As I said, a lot of this had to do with coffee. Like, just talk. The more I talk about Kona, the more excited I get for it. Um, so yeah. I'm doing better after talking about it. And I was actually saying how I've never been this excited to run a marathon before. Um, yeah. which is really new for me because usually on the bike, especially the last 20 miles, I'm like, oh my God, I like, I just hope my legs show up. I don't know how this is going to go. Like just hoping I still know how to run. Um, whereas this time out of all three disciplines, I'm most excited for the running. I'm sure it will still be like my weak point comparatively to the swim and the bike. Um, but I feel like I've put in some really good run work. And I'm yes. pretty confident in my run right now. So I'm really excited for that and the race. 
Yeah, we we did a really big like even before your like schedule got really crazy, like early season we had planned on doing a little bit of like run volume work, um, and then it just so happened that your life got crazy and running was the main thing that we could focus on. So it's really allowed yeah. you some space to grow as a runner, which was going to benefit you down the long run. So um, yeah, I just feel yeah. like my muscular endurance running is better than it's ever been. So whereas last year I started walking quite a fair bit of that marathon around mile 14 or mile 15. Um, I feel like I have that muscular endurance to keep running now paired with a greater knowledge on how to pace a marathon, um, which just comes with experience from doing it. So this will be Ironman number four. um, And I'm feeling excited now. So (laughs) that's kind of a relief because I wasn't really there. Yesterday. So. Yay. I know. I know you weren't. We were texting about it. And, um, you know, for me, a large piece of it for you is just, you know, go back to believing in yourself a little bit and yeah. trusting you because you are very strong. And like I said, one of your best qualities is your competitive spirit and your grit and your determination. And when you can kind of fall back and remind yourself of those pieces, no matter what happens, you're going to be just fine. Um, before we get into my race recap, I want to ask you a question. Taylor Nib is confirmed to be racing Kona. I want to know your thoughts on this. I have like mixed feelings on it. <laughs> I'm still confused. So do you, if you win 70.3 worlds, you automatically qualify for I, Kona? I, I guess so. I did not know. I did not know that was a thing. So I had no idea how she qualified personally, but then somebody said that. So I feel I'm like mixed about it because for me, like for all of us that work our asses off to try to qualify by doing a full distance Ironman to get a qualifying spot, like there's so many women, pro women, age group women on that start, that start line that, you know, like. You know, for example, Fiona Fiona Moriarty, Danielle Lewis, like these these are women that worked really hard to get these slots, and then she can just get one without doing a full Ironman. I don't know. Yeah, I guess if it's always been a rule that you qualify by winning seventy point three worlds. Yeah, I don't know if it has or not. I think that's new ish, and like in the last couple (laughs) last couple years, maybe. Yeah, I have no idea. Awesome, but. I but think it will, will be really exciting. Dynamics. Yeah, it will. I think it will mm-hmm. be really exciting. And what a stacked field looking oh at my that goodness. start list. Um, I'm so excited to watch it. Oh, I'll be excited just to watch. I mean, I'm unfortunately the second to last swim wave, um, which is annoying and something Ooh. we can talk about later. That is annoying. Um, but um, so hopefully I'll be able to see them out on the run course if they're not done by the time I get there. Yeah, that's annoying. How did you get picked in that one? That sucks. Uh, not ideal. I mean, like, everybody in the age group has to deal with it. Yeah. Um, But that means I will pass minimum probably a 1,000 people. And that's not yeah. me trying to be cocky. It's just the reality of reality. the situation. And with my strength being swimming, especially ocean swimming, um, it is what it yeah. is. But it's not the most fun situation to be in. No, it's not. Though, one thing that you can do, like, right, last year you spent a lot of time, well, I spent a lot, I was in the first age, first range, 
And I solo TT'd the entire thing. I was all by myself. And let me tell you, that is really hard in Kona. So think of it as this angle, then you will never be solo TTing. You will always be working. <laughs> you'll always be working forward. That's true. And I just that hope, can provide a good benefit. I just hope it's not like, and I think it will be better because it's all women. But when you get in those situations where you're trying to pass people and right as you're about to pass them, they speed up and you risk that drafting penalty. Mm-hmm. But it, it will be fine. I mean, it's yeah. I, it's not like I was the first wave last year. I think I was like the fifth or sixth wave. Um, I mean, there wasn't a ton of people on the bike course when I got there, which was nice. So this year will be different. Um, but yeah, it will be nice to see everybody out there. So. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. You'll have lots of friends out there for some yeah. fun. <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah. Okay, let's know, hear about just... so That's what everyone really wants to hear about. Oh goodness, yes. I don't know. I feel like everybody. I think would rather everybody would rather hear about Kona, but uh, <laughs> Augusta was good. Um, so it was my. Uh, I came in tenth uh, place. So I raced. For those of you that are not not sure, don't know. I raced Augusta seventy point three last weekend. So just basically about a week ago, um, I came in tenth out of the professional women. So that was my second tenth uh, top ten finish this year. And technically my third top 10 finish as a professional, because I did take fifth at Cabo 70.3 last year as my first pro race. Mind you, it was a very small field, but still. Um, so that was really exciting. That was that was really kind of just helped with some confidence pieces, you know, that I've been kind of uh, dealing with. And I, I finally felt that the one thing that I really left this race actually feeling a little bit optimistic because for the first time in a race all year, I felt like I wasn't fighting my body. Um, I just really, I know I've talked about it on the podcast and on YouTube. And in fact, like one person, I guess, commented saying that they felt like I was being really hard on myself. And <laughs> I want to say like, yes, I have been hard on myself, but in a positive and productive way in that I have big goals. I have, I really believe that I am better than what my, I have been performing as. And I've been very frustrated and confused as to why my body's been responding the way that it has. But what it has forced me to do is like really look into it. Like why? Um, so I really just felt like this was the first time all year I didn't fight my body. Like I didn't fight it. Um, there's still some pieces that I really want to, you know, fix and work on. Like I still want to increase my power, get my power back on the bike because that disappeared and my run is still slower, but overall I'm just really, really happy, really happy with the day. I actually, so it's a downriver swim, but it's enough of a down, it's the current is, so it's enough that it's fast, but it's not enough that you don't have to like work. So like even the top, top pros were able to like create gaps and everything still because of the current. So it's like an assisted swim, but nothing too crazy. And the, I actually was able to stay on feet. Like, yes, I was still near. Yeah. I was really happy with that. So yes, I was still near a semi the back ish of the pack. Um, I think I was probably the third group would be my guess, be my assumption. Um, and that was so encouraging for me because even at um some of my other races like I would get dropped from that back group basically and just kind of be dangling off the end like I couldn't stay on feet and I stayed on feet the entire 
time, like never lost contact. And that was so encouraging for me to, um, to do that because I actually felt like I was racing the swim for a change, which again, really encouraging. Um, got out of the water and did the world's longest transition in the ever. I think it was it, like exactly a half a mile or more. It was so oh. long. <laughs> and you had to run up this really steep hill, like really I'm steep. Runner. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. So that was fun. Um, got on the bike and, um, this was a really good bike course for me because it was rolly. So it had some really good flats. Um, but it still had some good climbs where you really had to kind of push pretty good power. Um, and again, like I was able, I hung in there with the girl that I kind of got in, in, uh, the water out of the water with approximately, um, past, I think when I ended up passing like three ish girls, I think to an extent, um, and but just really felt like I was able to actually race this race versus just kind of hang on for dear life and, and solo TT. That's mm-hmm. one of the things I've been struggling with as a professional is that I end up solo TT because I can't haven't been able to hang on to the group because again I've just been fighting my body all year. Um, and so yeah, uh, that was really encouraging. Um, I got dropped a little bit at the very end because when you came back through town. It was really twisty, turny, and a lot of lot of um, a lot of turns, and the it road was horrendous as you came through town. And at one point, I overshot uh, <laughs> overshot a right hand turn and almost laid it completely like down oh, on the side. And after that, I was like, "Nope, nope. Let's just let's just get to the, let's just get to the transition." And <laughs> uh, and a girl came that had I had passed who and then she had tagged onto my, my draft zone. Um, she, she went by and I just let her go. Cause I was like, I'm just, I don't want to deal with that. Um, got to transition, um, got out of transition and the ran by someone who told me I was about 90 seconds down out of top 10. Um, and so just kind of settled in and ran, um, and was able to run myself into 10th place. Um, missed ninth by like 40 seconds, I think. And, um, it was one of those where I could see her, but she was just far enough ahead. I just ran out of real estate to be able to catch her. I just didn't quite have, right. I'm still trying to find some of this spring back in my step a little bit. Um, but yeah, I left, came in 10th, which was really great. Um, I had, was kind of hoping to make it into the money on this one, but just didn't quite get there. But I just left feeling a lot more optimistic about my body being able to maybe absorb training a little bit better and having maybe a good trajectory to finish out the season. And, you know, pretty proud of myself to, you know, if I was to end racing today, it'd be a mixture of like a little bit of disappointment for the season, but also a lot of pride in the fact that I stuck with it. I never gave up. And to come in the top 10 twice in your rookie season is awesome and amazing. So I'm, I'm very proud of that. And just, I got a couple more races left and excited to see what they bring. So yeah, it was a lot of fun, fun course. I would go back to it. Um, nice. Yeah. Well, we're all proud of you. So top 10, as you just said, is amazing. So it's definitely something you should be proud of. Yeah, I am. I'm very happy with it. Very proud of it. And again, I think it just left me a little bit, feeling a little bit more excited um, that, you know, that that I'm maybe moving in the right direction with kind of how my body has been feeling that, and maybe I can 
get back to how, where I know that I can be, um, versus again, just feeling like you're fighting your body all year just really kind of sucks. So yeah, it'd be good to get back to that. Um, awesome. All right. Well, should we dive into some of our questions? Let's do it. What's the first one? All right. Well, we're going to end on the one that you had like four people ask about. So we'll end on, <laughs> on that one. <laughs> so stay tuned for a really fun question. You must listen all the way through this podcast. <laughs> um, okay. So um, this is one that actually was from Emily um, and em- on Instagram, but then also uh, Danielle has been texting me about this as well. And she has a little bit of open water swim anxiety for ocean swimming. So specifically Kona, right? Both of these people are racing Kona and they wanted tips for race day, especially with swim start being a mass start and then easing. I don't, it's not worded very well because it's on Instagram, but then easing, oh, easing swim anxiety in the open water. So I want to kind of talk more this ocean swimming, that anxiety that seems like a lot of people tend to have. Um, and then kind of some tips for a co- the Kona swim, because it is a challenging one. Um, and this is something you really excel at is ocean water, open water swimming. So what would you recommend to people to focus on? Um, when it comes to Kona specifically, um, just making sure you're comfortable treading water. Um, because you are out there treading for a good amount of time and you don't want to waste energy treading water. So finding the most efficient way for you to tread, like me, for instance, because of my hip labrum issues, I can't really do a breaststroke or an egg beater kick. So I've kind of had to learn how to keep my head above water without using energy because using an egg beater kick is the most efficient way. But for me, I just kind of have to like put my butt back a bit and like use my like that essentially to keep me afloat um but just getting comfortable doing that because I think that's an underrated thing at Kona because if you're not comfortable doing it it could take a lot of energy out from you um then also at the Kona start putting yourself in a position where you'll be comfortable like if you're trying to stay on the inner edge and at the front of that line of paddle boarders, and you're like right next to a paddle board, you're going to get elbowed, you're going to get kicked, you're going to get tugged under. Um, mm-hmm. So if that's something that's going to increase your anxiety, you're pr- probably going to be better off staying 10 yards back, losing that 20 seconds mm-hmm. from being closer and just dealing with that um, yep. than having that anxiety of getting tugged under and kicked. And it's not fun. I got concussed last year. Um, yeah. And it really sucks. But yeah, that would be my like Kona specific tips. But then mm-hmm. just for ocean open water swimming, keeping in mind, it's no different than swimming in any other body of water. Um, swimming is swimming is swimming. Uh, you know how to I actually, swim. I actually almost think ocean water is a little bit easier. Um, it keeps you for me. The salt keeps you afloat. Yep. Like, so and even though you might not be without a wetsuit, mm-hmm. you're floating better. Yeah. I've had some of my best swims at Kona uh, in a swim skin. Um, and then I swear it's the salt water. Um, cause especially at that, like some, some of these other ocean water swims that we have, like, if you're thinking like Oceanside, which is technically an open wa- ocean swim, like it's, st- but it was still in a Harbor and it just isn't quite as 
I don't know, it just didn't feel quite as buoyant as, but maybe that's just because it was also freezing cold and I just was really struggling because it was so <laughs> cold. Um, but, you know, for, I think Kona, the swim is not as scary as it, it can seem. It's actually a very easy swim. Um, it's a very easy swim in terms of course logistics. Yeah. You go out, you take a right around a boat <laughs> and you come back in. Um, easy to sight with all the, with the, with the boat and then with the big Gatorade bottle that's on the end of the pier. Um, and then you can sight for the pier. Okay. About um, the Gatorade bottle though, I'm pretty sure there were two of them last year because I sighted to the wrong one for a little. <laughs> ah, yes. I think there's one over by like that church that, that's on a leaky drive. Yeah. Uh, don't sight for that one or you'll end up like in no man's land. <laughs> I don't think I did that during the race, but I do yeah. remember being like, where am I? <laughs> yes. You know, that's definitely a piece. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I agree. I think if you just, one of the things with swimming is I always remind athletes, like you, you swim anywhere from two to six days a week in the pool. Correct. And they always go, well, yeah. And I was like, do you get through the swims? Yes. Do you wear a wetsuit? No. Are you fine? Yes. Okay. Then think of it the exact same way, right? Because your brain then will think that direction. So yeah, yeah, I think that's a kind of a key piece for there. Um, And Kona specifically is very clear water, which I think mm -hmm. does help ease a lot of anxiety. At least mine. I don't like it when I can't see as much. But when I can see and I can look at the fish... It's mm-hmm. kind of cool. Yes, it's very, it's very beautiful. Um, it's a good segue, though, because one of the questions that you had got, was asked was if a swim skin is worth it. And since we're kind of talking a race in which there is non-wetsuit legal. Um, so for those of you that maybe are, you know, maybe not triathletes or newer to it, um, races are either wetsuit legal or non-wetsuit legal for age groupers, the wetsuit legal cutoff is 76.1 so anything above that you don't wear they recommend not wearing a wetsuit and then for professionals it's ridiculously cold in that it is 70 like 71.8 or something which is a horrible temperature to not wear a wetsuit but that's a complete side note um and so you have the option to wear you know in that space they don't want you wearing a wetsuit and most people wear a swim skin um, and we had a question as to whether those are worth it. And the blatant answer is yes, they are. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah. So a swim skin is a, uh, non, oh man, it's a, it's a textile. I'm totally going to There's no those. neoprene in it. Yeah. So it, that's, it, what, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> Yes, so no neoprene. neoprene that helps you float. However, the suit is designed to provide compression in areas um, like the quads and the core um, to help with your body position. And then the fabric itself is faster. Um, so if you were to pour water on yourself while you're wearing a fast skin, especially or a swim skin, sorry, fast skin was the swim name, um, a swim skin, you'll see the water kind of just like ripples right off of it. Um, so it's a way faster material than your tri-kit would be, or even a normal swimsuit would be. Yep. Um, and it won't have pockets on it. So it's definitely faster for multiple reasons than just yeah. wearing your tri-kit or even a bathing suit yep. to do the open water swim portion. 
hundred percent. And you know, on a complete side note, I mean, seventy the degrees of seventy six um, for age groupers. If you if it's the water temperatures that degrees, you're not going to get cold. But um, I have noticed for me now that I feel like I never get to wear a wetsuit. Is it does help just a tiny tiny bit to keep you a little bit warm. That's a complete like not reason for wearing one, but it does help. Um, <laughs> But yeah, definitely wear them. Um, they have uh, sleeveless ones, sleeved ones. Um, I personally prefer the sleeved, and I don't really have a reason why. Um, I like sleeveless because I don't yep. like things on my shoulders. And maybe that's why, just because I'm not as like strong of a swimmer. It feels like it provides like a full compression for my body. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, so definitely 100% worth it. Um, and, and if you are someone who races a decent amount or races kind of like, especially this later half of the year, you should buy one because the chance that you're going to do a race that does not have, um, is non-wetsuit legal is very high, um, and seems to be getting higher. So, um, definitely recommend it, but awesome. Okay. Um, we had a question on from Brittany Child on Instagram that was that had a question on would training for a half marathon at the beginning of a season help your run split in try I'm mixed on this one for a lot of reasons um there's nothing wrong with doing a run block which I mean you're gonna we'll use Erin as an example here we kind of did a really heavy run focus this year for her one just due to life and two we we wanted to build up her body's resilience to running um and 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 we're we're seeing we're seeing the benefits of that at, at the back portion of the year um the one thing that can be when people really do like a really heavy heavy like I'm gonna focus on the a marathon or I'm going to focus on a, on a, on a half marathon is that everything else falls to the wayside, especially if you're someone who maybe only has like a specific number of hours in a week, um, that they can train. And one of the ways that actually you can be better at running off the bike in a triathlon actually comes from figuring out how to ride. So increasing your body's ability to ride at a higher intensity focusing on your cadence on the bike and nailing your nutrition on the bike. So if you're not focusing on gaining that type of fitness, you could be an even have done a huge run block and still really struggle to run off the bike. So I'm mixed on it because I think there's pieces that you cannot forget about in order to be a, someone who can run well off of the bike. Yeah, personally. I think that if it's like part of your try plan, Mm-hmm. And it just creates like a heavier running focus. I think it's great. Um, I don't even think I've talked to you about this yet, but I think this winter I'd like to do a lot of trail running, but I don't want my like focus to necessarily be trail running. It will just be more of a part of my triathlon training. Um, and I think if you take that mindset going into a half marathon, it's great. You can do some, a little bit of more speed work, some more longer stuff, depending on what distance you're coming from, I guess, longer or shorter, some more speed, less speed. I don't know. Um, I think it can be good. I just don't think it should be your only focus. If you're like ultimate big goal is triathlon. Now, if your ultimate big goal is, oh, I have a marathon at the end of the season, then that's a bit different too. But if your focus is triathlon on the end of the season, I think having it just be a part of your training um, is a better way to look at it. 
Yeah. You're better off. Not better off. Again, that's not the right verbiage, but it's important to not forget about the pieces, right? The thing about triathlon is that it it's a, it's an entire piece, right? There's swim, bike, and run, and you can't can't just focus on one and expect that it's going to that's going to improve. Um, you know, even for you know something as silly as like, okay, well, I really want to improve my bike, so I'm not going. I'm only I'm only going to swim once a week. Well, that's fine, but. Even for someone such as Erin, who is a naturally great swimmer, and we could technically only swim once a week for her, and she would do just fine, it would not benefit her as a triathlete, because that would mean that when she got out of the swim, there's a chance that she would maybe have a little more fatigue, maybe burned too many matches or whatever, and then it could affect the bike. And so you have to think about every piece as a whole and not as three separate disciplines that you're training for kind of have to combine them. Um, and that's why triathlon's so fun because it's <laughs> a huge puzzle <laughs> that you're trying to put together. Um, the one thing I do not like, honestly, is when, and, and I, and I don't usually say no, but I do sometimes to athletes. Um, when athletes maybe have like a, 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 a 70.3 or even a, a full Ironman they're, that they're training for, but they want to do a marathon beforehand. And it's such a bad idea. In my, I have never had it work well with athletes. Most of the time they get injured or they end up not having a good triathlon because a standalone marathon is so hard on the body that they have to, it takes way too long to recover from. And they miss a huge portion of triathlon training and or they peak so soon because we had to taper for that half, that full marathon. It just does not work well. In my opinion, slash my experience over these last like years, coaching was having athletes do it. Um, I usually talk athletes out of that. I usually say, okay, if you want to do a full marathon, let's, let's do that after your big main triathlon season is over that's easier to do. And I do think with you saying that it's important to like mention why it's so different on the body. When you're doing a standalone marathon, you are going harder the entire time than you are in a marathon at the end of the Ironman, because just in the, at the end of an Ironman, you don't have the same fuel source to go that hard um, as you do in a standalone marathon. But when you're in that standalone marathon, you are pushing your body at a hundred percent at that red line the entire time for 26 um, miles. And yeah. it just creates a significant amount more stress. Mm-hmm. Yep. It does. You manage your energy systems a lot differently when you do a triathlon than you do a standalone um, marathon. Um, and they take a while to recover from. Um, usually I like a minimum of two full weeks recovery from a standalone. Um, at one, as coaching, I, I find that works the best for athletes. And then, you know, and then if you're pairing that with a full Ironman, which is going to use a large portion of your entire body's energy systems, you just don't have enough. You haven't recut, you, you, you can't replenish fast enough from a structural system, a nervous system and a physiological system fast enough. Um, yeah. So that was a good add on. Thank you for that. Um, awesome. Okay. Um, we let's see. We had another question that was on best seventy point three races for new seventy point three triathletes. I 
So if you're newer to the sport or just jumping into 70.3, do you have any recommendations on ones that they should do? Not Oceanside. No. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Um, So my first was Arizona 70.3, which is being discontinued. Uh, But I actually thought that was a fun one. Um, It's a lot of turning, but I thought it was a fun spectator-friendly course. So... Um, and it's, even though there's a lot of turning, it's not crazy challenging. And for the most part, the weather, you're not going to get any like crazy weather on it. Yeah, um, yeah I would agree. That was one of my, was my first thought. Um, um, I don't know. I think, so, you know, one of the things I think with this is I think it's different for everybody. And you yeah. kind of have to look at who you are as the athlete. You know, if you are someone who is new to triathlon, but maybe you are someone who grew up riding their bike and they grew up riding in the hills and they know how to ride hills. Like you can pretty much do anything that has hills, you know, or are you someone who has never, like you're new to bike riding or you've never swam? Like you have to look at those pieces and then kind of look at what the race is and ask yourself, does that fit me as the athlete? Um, and, and, you know, so that's kind of one thing to think about. Um, the other piece that I really always encourage athletes is, does it get you excited? Do you want to do it? Right? Because if you're excited about it, then the training's going to be, you're going to get through the training and you're going to have fun. And so that's a big, you know, kind of key piece. Um, but from other athletes that I've had to do, like Atlantic City, 70.3 is a good one. Uh, very flat. Um Another really good one might be like North Carolina or honestly, after just doing Augusta, that would be a good one because it's not too challenging. Weather's pretty good. Spectators are amazing. Downriver swim. What do you think of Oregon? Oh, that's a great one. Yes. Very, that was, that's a very good one. Um, flat, fast swim. Um, not a super challenging bike. It's only got like one really heart kind of like one punchy hill on it um and the run is not very hard either it's just quiet um i've only done four courses so i've done arizona 70.3 which i would recommend but they're discontinuing then st george which if you're good at hills go for it mm, um, yes. but there are two different transition areas which i do think for beginners is a little more logistically nerve-wracking um it's just more to figure out um oceanside just was hard i don't think it's very beginner friendly um and then being at the beginning of the season yeah and then mountain man 70.4 um and off (laughs) brand one in flagstaff is a lot of fun um i guess from a swim and bike standpoint i would recommend it but there is a mile and a half just straight upward incline hill at like mile six so yeah you like a good if you like doing that yeah <laughs> and it's a cheap race and a lot of fun and beautiful so yeah speaking of races did you see that uh challenge is now taking over mont tremblant oh well, i don't I mean i'm assuming mont tremblant oh really now, yeah child the challenge family oh uh, nice just announced that they are coming to quebec and so i'm assuming they're taking you know, i didn't look at like all the that details, would make sense i'm because assuming they took it over i think that would make sense because i think a lot of the issue with tremblant 
is that Subaru, right, yeah. used to sponsor yeah. it, but then it mm-hmm. clashed with VinFast. Yep. So that's exciting. Yeah. I know. That's one of, I've always wanted to do a challenge race, but I can't ever get to them because they're all in, like, they haven't been in, in the North Americas in a long time. Except, like, um, Florida. Right? Because yeah. Clash is challenge, I think. Right? No. Uh, Clash is something, I don't even know. There's so many. I can't keep track. <laughs> Same. Stupid that's, that's exciting. It's no Iron Man. <laughs> I know. I know. No Iron Man. Like, hardly any Iron Mans next year at all. Um, it's sad. It makes me sad. I know. Like, one of my one of the athletes on the Where If You Take You team asked and wants to do an early season one. And I was like, man, your only options are, like, Iron Texas. Man Texas, pretty much. And that's it. Like, I don't even – I'd have to it's look. It. But it's it. I think that's that is it. it. Yeah. Otherwise, you got to get into July, and I, you're still looking at maybe Lake Placid. Lake Placid and Penticton, I think. Yeah. Well, Penticton, that's in that's in August. August. So it's literally just Placid, and that's uh-huh. end of July. Yeah, unless I'm missing something. I don't but, think you are. I think that's a – unless yeah. Iron Man's going to surprise us with something soon, but I don't see that coming. I don't see that coming either. I know. I know. I'm contemplating focusing on 70.3s next year. I've thought about it. I mean, I signed up for Um, Texas already, but it's a thought that's crossed my mind. It'd actually probably be good for you. We're kind of getting on a side tangent, but I think this is actually an important (laughs) thought process because, you know, you can, sometimes if you spend a year just doing 70.3s, you become a better full distance, um, full distance triathlete because the volume, right? We can do less with the volume. It's easier to manage from a life standpoint. And still feel like you have a little bit more of a life, yeah. And but you can do more like high intensity work, which then raises your ceiling when you do decide, yeah, hey, I do want to get back to seventy point three training or full, full, yeah, full distance training. That's a complete side tangent, but um, yeah. So I'm playing around with a lot of different thoughts, but right now it's just Kona, and then we'll reevaluate. We'll reevaluate, yeah, Kona first, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Um, a couple more questions here. So, um, this was from Debbie Fine, who is actually a Where If You Take You athlete as well. She just signed up for Michigan 70.3 and the water temperature will be about 62, um, nice. which is actually really good. Her question has it. to do, I know her question has to do with prepping for cold water, but honestly, 62, 63 feels a little chilly at first, but it's really pretty perfect. It's for a water temperature. Amazing. Coeur d'Alene, I think, was 62, and I went sleeveless. So I don't yeah. think it's that cold. It's because it, it can be a little shocking at first, but if you kind of splash your face with some water, um, and it's actually even a temperature where if you, um, you know, because you can wear a wetsuit, right? This is a temperature you can wear a wetsuit. Um, splash face with some water, get in and kind of feel it. it, it you're not going to overheat. You usually can swim pretty hard. You can swim at a higher RPE. And so, um, that's a really great temperature, but questions for prepping for cold water. And this is actually something I've started thinking about because I'm contemplating doing, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do Indian wells, um, okay. which is very cold water. I think that's like 58, which is very cold. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, prepping for cold water. I don't. I haven't honestly done a lot of research on that because I haven't really had one. I haven't had a lot of athletes that have ever done 
cold water swims. I avoid them because I hate cold oh. water. But it has a lot to do with how honest I think there's a lot to do with your mindset and how you can calm your breathing down. That's what I was going to say. I think it has a lot to do with breathing control because mm-hmm. your body is going to be in shock and you're going to want to start taking these really shallow breaths. Um, and the more you can just focus on exhaling, blowing those bubbles um, and just taking a deep breath upon inhale, the better off you'll be. I mean, the more you can get in cold water and just practice that, the better. Um, so if you have access to practicing cold water somewhere, I think that's going to be your best bet. Or even just the feeling of getting in an ice bath. Yep. Like it might sound stupid, but if you can just fill your tub up with ice and just mm-hmm. get in that once or twice a week for a bit, um, it will be that same shock sensation. Um, and again, practice that calming mechanism, like yeah. using and your breathing to calm you down. The other thing I will say, most tries allow you, like most tries you dive in the water and you go, or you run into the water and you can start swimming. Uh, USAT Nationals last year, the water was 59 and you start holding on to a dock. So you can't start swimming right away. And that's not the most fun when it's 59. Um, no, but that was hard. So that was something they did at Augusta. And I hadn't done that in a very, very long time. Um, one, I put myself in a terrible position and just got demolished off of off the off the line uh but yeah that's a challenging start i'd rather an in-water deep start than a hand on the dock start it's very hard but if you actually in any of these i do recommend kind of sprinting not like sprinting all out but like going fast Mm -hmm. that first 300 meters to get warm and yeah get warm get your heart rate up and then you can settle so even in the pool doing training where you're doing kind of a dynamic warm up on deck and then you dive in and you go a 300 fast um, and get used to just going fast as soon as you hit the water and then working on, okay, how do I settle into my half Ironman or my Ironman pace after going hard and how to get my breathing and control after that. Yeah, I agree. I think that those are really, really great points. And, you know, then there's other things that you can do like some, and there's, there's contradicting, thoughts on this like some people say oh you should get in and do a warm-up so that you can kind of feel the water um that doesn't always work for everybody like if the water's really cold I personally cannot get in and do a warm-up because I get too cold too quickly and then cannot I I can't warm up and so if I have to get out of the water etc um some and then there's other people that have said you know hey if you can fill up like a you know a yeti bottle of of very warm, not boiling, but very, very hot water. And so then right before the race, you dump it down your wetsuit so that you have kind of a warm contrast mm-hmm. close to your, you know, close to your core. It can help to kind of keep you warmer um, immediately. Um, I have yet to try that. Um, but, and again, there's contradicting thoughts on whether those work or not, but those are kind of some tricks that you can use um, to help with warm or keeping yourself warm. Um, but really, yeah, I think I agree with you is that really focusing on controlling your breathing and when you, when you really control your breathing, you really calm that nervous system down and then it makes cold water less scary. Mm-hmm. Uh, but 62, 62, 63 is a nice. wonderful temperature. I think ideal swim temperature is like 62 to 67 ideal. Not in a pool, because that's freezing. (laughs) 
but in a lake, in a lake that is nice. Um, okay. Um, we, let's see, we have one final fun question here that sounds like you had asked at coffee. Multiple times from multiple people. <laughs> that is so funny. That's so funny. And I love it. I love it. Cause, um, it's so funny, but um, so we've had a couple people ask that want to know what our favorite dinosaur is. What's yours? I like the Stegosaurus. Ooh, that's a good one. I think he's a cutie. Um, he's the yes. one with the horns on his back. Yep. <laughs> I just think he's really cute. Um, also, apparently, they had like a brain in their butt and their really? head. Yeah, well, because they hypothesized that like the brain in their head was so small that they had must have had a brain somewhere else so they think they had a brain and they otherwise like, they literally wouldn't function control their movement yeah your brain is so small that you need another one somewhere else where yes. you literally <laughs> can't survive <laughs> oh that's funny uh mine is triceratops I am a huge Triceratops fan, and this comes back from when I was growing up. Um, and I don't—they, I don't know if they had it. You and I are just far enough age apart. I'm not 100 percent sure if they had these, but and I'm totally blanking on the overall name. But they had these dinosaur, sh- this dinosaur show, and the Triceratops name was Sarah. I know the show you're talking about. I was on the young end of it, but I've seen it for sure. But I don't remember the name. It was one of my absolute favorite shows. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, I don't, we didn't have like TV growing up. Like we, we had a TV, but we didn't have, and the only time we could watch that show is when we went over to friend's house and I just, I think it was on like, what is that? PBS or whatever. Yep. The, PBS yeah. kids. Yep. PBS kids. Oh man. Such a good show. Um, so yes. And I loved Sarah, the Triceratops. I just thought she was so cool. Um, and then I think brontosauruses are really cool just because their name is really fun to say, brontosaurus. Um, Skylar was a triceratops for Halloween last year. He's so cute. <laughs> and I asked him this year, what do you want? Because Halloween's coming up like faster than I'm going to be prepared for. And so I was like, oh, what do you want to be for Halloween this year? And he, he said, I want to be a triceratops again. <laughs> like, oh, okay. <laughs> I Does guess. the costume still fit? It does ish it's a little it's a little tight we probably could reuse it it's a little short but okay it would maybe work it probably would fit baylor better but um yeah so we might be the same thing we might be a triceratops again well if you guys want trick-or-treating buddies you're oh, so yes fumes, i would love to trick-or-treat with them you should that would be fun be so yeah, fun. Trick or treating was really fun last year, and Baylor will. Baylor was hilarious trick or treating last year, and he was only one, a little over one, and he was so funny. And so it'll be really fun to watch him this year because I think he'll be even. He'll just really yeah, get it being a little, a little older. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it should be yeah a lot of fun. Um, awesome. Well, those were our questions for um. The week we've got a really fun episode next week where we're bringing your mom on to do a kind of a collaboration between the three of us and talking mental performance, you know, um, and all sorts of things. Because uh, Aaron's mom, Amy, is a mental performance coach as well. It's actually how I met Aaron and everything was when I went through my certification. I met Amy and then she was like, I have this amazing daughter. 
cool. I want to meet her. <laughs> um, so that will be a really exciting one. So if you guys have any questions mental performance wise, um, send it to either Aaron or myself or head over to the website and send us your questions because yeah. um, we have a mental performance expert coming our way. Yeah. Um, Even any like situational stuff, we can share it completely anonymously on the pod yeah. too and just give you advice. So I think it will be a really great episode. I'm excited for it. Be like the questioner. Yeah. So. It'll be fun. I'm excited for it as well. So um, yeah, let's see. Well, we've got train. Let's see. It's Friday. I, I don't know why I'm going to feel confused because we're recording on Friday for some reason, but uh i'm back into training this week you're headed up getting ready final week training for kona um we've got quite a few people we've got four of you racing in kona and then um some more races coming up for a bunch of people this week or not this week sorry the rest of the year feels like it's coming to an end quickly but there's still a lot of racing left so yeah i guess we'll chat with you guys next week at some point Bye, y'all. <laughs>